Hello everyone and welcome to the second season of the History of Modern Greece, where we cover the subject of the fall of Constantinople to the modern day. I'm your host, Daniel Roberts, and I'm here with my father, George. Hi, my name's George. And our music is brought to you by Mark Youngerman. This is episode 41, an introduction to season 2. We finally concluded season 1 and found it to be appropriate to do an introduction episode for Season 2, as well as look back at the events of Season 1 and have a quick discussion. We think it's important to stress just how unexpected Season 1 was. When we first took on the podcast, we intended to start Season 1 at the fall of Constantinople. We only meant to do a few summary episodes to catch the listeners up to the year 1453. However, we quickly realized there was so much information between ancient Greece and the fall of Constantinople that we turned all of season one into a prelude season. We cover the events in quick summary episodes from the Proto-Indo-Europeans to the Minoans and the Mycenaeans, and even covered Greek mythology. Now we must admit we did it for selfish reasons, as we quite enjoyed the learning experience. Not to mention, we were very green when we started the podcast. Our writing styles weren't fully fleshed out, and neither were our speaking voices. We were able to foam pad the recording room and purchase new microphones, and eventually learned how to adjust the settings on the microphone to make it clearer. Now, you're not going to believe this, but we found out halfway through Season 2 that we were actually talking in the microphone backwards. This entire time, our lips were practically touching the microphone just to get our sound levels high enough. So after all the practice writing and recording and editing, we wrapped Season 1 up with the rule of Empress Irene. That's 4,800 years of Greek history summed up into 40 episodes. Season 2 is going to slow down quite a bit as we start the season off with Empress Irene and carry the show right up till the sack of Constantinople. We still don't make it to modern Greece in this season, but we will set everything up. Every player and character will get their backstory and attention required to tell the story of how Middle Greece came crashing to an end. If season one was us breaking into the medium, then season two is us perfecting our skills. This way, we will be at our absolute best just as we start the subject of modern Greece. We came across another interesting issue when recording these episodes. Because we don't like to operate under stress, and we also want the audience to have consistent episodes, we made sure to record all of Season 1 before we released a single episode. One funny thing that came out of this is we wrote an episode about Justinian's plague in 2019 and recorded it in February 2020. Our opening line is, No one alive today knows what it's like to live through a plague. That line did not age well, but when we wrote it, it was true, and by the time it aired, it was grossly inaccurate. We're not saying the current pandemic is anywhere close to the plague of Justinian, But during those first few months when the entire world was grinding to a halt and thousands were dying every day in countries all over the world, 
It gave us a better understanding about what it was like to live through such an event. Another issue that has come up from recording these episodes so far in advance is that we are too far ahead. By the time we are recording this episode, January 2022, our episode release schedule takes us right up to November 2023. We quickly realize we need to speed up the release schedule. So in Season 2, we decide to release some of our episodes on a weekly basis. We have to hurry up and get to the actual topic of our podcast, The History of Modern Greece. You know, we bought all these fun books and haven't gotten to any of them yet. Speaking of fun books, we do have two books we'd like to give a shout out to. These are fantastic books that gave us an insight into the events in Season 2. The first book we purchased for source material in Season 2 is The Alexiad by Anna Comnene. Now what's most amazing about this book is it puts us right into the mind of the princess who lived during the First Crusade. She was sitting in the court while Bohemond met with the Emperor. These are her thoughts and her descriptions. It's quite a remarkable work, and if any of you are interested in this, you can buy a copy of the Alexiad through Penguin Classics, and we'll post a link in the description of this episode. The second book we used for source material for Season 2 is The Idiot's Guide to the Crusades. This is a great book, as it breaks down all the little details of each crusade and adds fun quirks and interesting side notes. So, Dad, after listening to all of our episodes in Season 1, can you tell me who your favorite male character is? Who was my favorite character in Season 1? That's a tough one. There were so many characters. Okay, I'm going with Pericles. He became the leader of the Radical Democrats in 461 BCE and almost immediately triggered a war against Sparta. In 458 BC, Pericles was elected to the Board of Generals, and his strategy of appealing to the votes of the lowest class of citizens guaranteed him staying in power for nearly 20 years. He subsidized grain from Egypt, so no one would go hungry in Athens. Pericles commissioned the construction of many public buildings, including the Parthenon, to employ poor Athenians. He also gave them the opportunity to serve on juries and in political affairs. To further protect the city, Pericles had the walls built bigger and stronger. And to protect their seaport several miles away, he had an eight-mile wall built from Athens to Piraeus. How Pericles got and maintained his power by appealing to the lower classes had me notice a parallel to today's politics. Pericles paid for his programs by using the treasury that belonged to the Delian League that used to be stored on the island of Delos, but was moved by Pericles to Athens. Today's politicians, besides taxes, can just print more money whenever they want it. That's an excellent choice. Now, who would your favorite woman from Season 1 be? It would definitely be Hypatia. Women in the past had little opportunity. 
Despite that, some managed to achieve wondrous heights. Hypatia lived in Alexandria in the 5th century CE. She was an accomplished scholar. She taught astronomy, philosophy, and mathematics. She had written many books and given many lectures. Hypatia's students came from all over the Mediterranean. Although Hypatia was a pagan, all of her students were Christian. She was very tolerant. The Christian philosopher Socrates of Constantinople wrote of her. So this is a quote from him. There was a woman at Alexandria named Hypatia, daughter of the philosopher Theon, who made such attainments in literature and science as to far surpass all the philosophers of her own time. Having succeeded to the school of Plato and Plutinus, she explained the principles of philosophy to her auditors, many of whom came from a distance to receive her instructions. On account of the self-possession and ease of manner which she had acquired in consequence of the cultivation of her mind, she not infrequently appeared in public in the presence of magistrates. Neither did she feel abashed in going to an assembly of men, for all men on account of her extraordinary dignity and virtue admired her the more. She's quite a gal. When I think of it. She'd be something to see. No, she was a, a intellectual for sure. So, so her dad must have been a bit of a well, I liberal. Know, I want to know more about Theon. Yeah, I don't know anything about Theon. He's, he was a philosopher. That's her dad. Philostorgius, another Christian historian who was a contemporary of Hypatia, wrote that she excelled her father in mathematics. And the lexicographer Hesychius wrote... Like her father, she was an extraordinarily talented astronomer. Well, trouble for her began in Alexandria in the year 412 CE. A young man named Cyril became bishop there. He was the ugly side of Christianity, intolerant. Upon becoming the bishop, Cyril immediately began to punish his rivals. He closed their churches and confiscated their property. Hypatia's school immediately took a strong distrust of the new bishop. In 414, there began an exchange of hostilities and a Jewish-led massacre. Cyril closed all the synagogues, confiscated their property, and expelled the Jews from the city. The Roman prefect, Orestes, who was a recent convert to Christianity and a friend of Hypatia, was outraged at Cyril's actions and sent a report to the emperor. More riots broke out, and Cyril's followers tried to kill Orestes. The attempt failed. The leader was executed, and then Cyril tried to proclaim the leader of the gang a martyr. Prominent Christians in the city forced Cyril to drop the idea. Cyril continued his feud with Orestes, and the prefect consulted Hypatia for advice, because she was well-liked among both pagans and Christians alike. She had not been involved in any previous stages of the conflict. She had an impeccable reputation as a wise counselor. But Cyril and his allies began to undermine her reputation. They spread rumors. Here is one example by a later bishop. And those days, there appeared in Alexandria a female philosopher, a pagan named Hypatia, and she devoted at all times to magic astrolobes, and instruments of music. 
and she beguiled many people through satanic wiles. And the governor of the city honored her exceedingly, for she had beguiled him through her magic. And he ceased attending church, as had been his custom. And he not only did this, but he drew many believers to her, and he himself received the unbelievers at his house. Well, during the Christian season of Lent in 415, a mob of Christians grabbed Hypatia from her carriage, stripped her naked, and skinned her alive, gouged out her eyes, cut her into tiny pieces, and burned them in public. It was widely believed that Cyril had ordered this, or at least inspired it. The Alexandrian council was appalled at Cyril's conduct and sent an ambassador to Constantinople to speak with the emperor. However, Cyril escaped punishment by bribing the right people. Hypatia was an accomplished scientist and lecturer. She was brutally murdered by crazy Christian zealots. Hypatia eventually became elevated to a superhero and a champion of feminists, and many fictions have been written exaggerating her accomplishments. Cyril was a horrible excuse for a Christian, shocking many of his contemporaries. But in spite of his devious actions, he was made into a saint. Go figure. Those are two excellent choices. And I almost forgot about her story. And every time that I'm reminded of it, I get angry. And it's not just because of the horrible murder. It's because the church is famous for destroying anything that wasn't Christian. So, Daniel, what is your favorite character from season one? Well, my favorite male character from season one is definitely Alcibiades. I know he's the nephew of your favorite character, but I couldn't help it. At first, I was thinking of Alexander the Great, but I've yet to see anything written about Alcibiades. And the reason is probably that no one would ever believe such a tale. It's absurd to think of Alcibiades switching sides so many times during a great war. He started off as a general in the Athenian army, convinces everyone to invade Sicily, which was already a crazy idea considering the war was technically over. But no, he has to start fighting again. And why not drag everyone across the sea to Sicily, who wasn't even involved in the war at this point? He was accused of getting drunk the night before departure and cutting the dicks off all the statues of Hermes. And before they even invaded Sicily, a ship was sent to arrest him. And as he's being carried away to face his trial in Athens, the invasion of Sicily still happens. And it fails, miserably, killing everyone, and reignites the war between Sparta and Athens. Except Alcibiades escaped his captives, fled to Sparta, where he sought refuge with the Spartan warriors. And like something out of The Last Samurai with Tom Cruise, he learns the ways of the Spartan warrior and actually impresses some of the Spartan soldiers. He then spilt the beans and told all the Athenian secrets to the Spartan king. And while they went off to war with his home city, Alcibiades slept with the Spartan queen and impregnated her. Now he's pissed off the king of Sparta and had to flee again, this time fleeing to Anatolia and sought refuge with the Persian Empire. Now he's working with the Persians, who are supposed to be the ultimate enemy of the Greek city-states. And oh yeah, I forgot, the Persians were sending money to both sides of the war to keep the fighting going. 
So you would think that after betraying both Athens and Sparta, that he'd be banned from Greece forever. But no, the Athenians were tired of losing, so they sent him an invitation to come back to Athens. And no, this wasn't a trick. And he actually went back. And they actually made him a general, and he won the Athenians some more victories. So he switched sides so many times that he ended up right back where he started. Only he ended up losing a battle against the Spartans, and suddenly the Athenians hated him again. And when the war finally ended, he was tracked down, his house was set on fire, and when he ran out, they shot him up with arrows. A fitting end to a crazy story. And why isn't this a series on HBO? You know, I used an example of modern days to give people an idea of how absurd this story is. And I'll use it again. Imagine if Winston Churchill, the hero of World War I and the leader of Britain in World War II, was preparing for the D-Day invasion. Only he was going to go with the army on the landing party. He was all geared up. In fact, the boats had already left, only to be intercepted in the middle of the night by another boat with a bunch of police saying they were about to arrest Winston Churchill for a bunch of graffiti on the king's statue. And while he was being carried away, he escaped his captors, defected to the Nazis, then tells the Nazis all the secret plans and weaknesses of the British. And then he trains to be a Nazi and fights against the British, only to have an affair with Eva Braun and impregnates her. Then he's forced to escape Hitler and flees to the Soviet Union, where he shares all of the secrets of the Nazis to Stalin, then spends the majority of the war fighting with the communists, only to return to Britain after receiving a letter asking for him to return. And when he returns to Britain, no, they don't hang him for being a traitor or giving away all their secrets to the enemies, but instead Britain reinstates him as a general and he fights the rest of the war. Insane. But also, maybe that would make a great movie. <laughs> Either way, Alcibiades is such a great, crazy character in history that I wish we gave him a better story. Luckily, you can get that story from another podcaster at the History of Ancient Greece. He's really good and one of the greats who inspired us to do this show. So, Alcibiades is your favorite male character from season one. Who's your favorite woman? You know, this is something I thought about all year. There were several strong female characters in this season that grabbed my attention. The first was Brunhilde. But she isn't Greek. She's a Visigothic princess. Not too sure if Hypatia is Greek, though. Can you confirm she's Greek? Oh yes, I believe she was Greek. Her, her father's name was Theon. He was a famous philosopher. Still, I have to pick a woman from season one, so I'm going to have to go with the obvious. Irene of Athens. And you know, the more I think about her, the more impressive she becomes. Not only did she climb her way to the top of the empire, but she did some decent work for the common people. Everyone who writes about her talks about her with such disdain. And I get it. She murdered her own son by having his eyes melted out with red-hot iron rods. And I agree, that was bad. 
In fact, I also had a bad impression of her at first. But several documentaries talked about her in a different light. She looked out for the poor and fed the hungry. Everyone who wrote about her hated her, so of course the sources are biased. And uh, the melting of her son's eyes and slowly cooking the inside of his skull isn't that bad when you think about what he was about to do. Constantine was a little bastard, and he was clearly about to destroy the empire. In fact, we might not have ever had a Byzantine golden age if Irene didn't kill her son. Also, it's important to note, she didn't kill him on purpose. She was just trying to blind him. But that's neither here nor there. I think the part of Empress Irene that is so fascinating is how she not only held on to power beyond the role of regent, but became the first ever woman emperor of the empire. And also came somewhat closer to reuniting the east and the west. The marriage between Charlemagne and Irene, although impossible, could have led to a unification of the two empires. You know, deep down, whenever listening to history podcasts about Rome, I want the empire to reunite. And you can't help it when you immerse yourself into these history podcasts to start rooting for these people, even though you know it doesn't work out. There is an honorable mention that both of us realized we completely missed in season one. That is one of the most famous Greek women from all history. We are speaking of Cleopatra. A lot of ignorant people like to claim Cleopatra was an Egyptian princess, but that is false. She was descended from the great Diodici general Ptolemy, who served under Alexander the Great. She was the last Greek ruler to be conquered by the Romans. Even though we regret not covering her now, the decision at the time was made because we didn't want to get bogged down in the history of the Roman Empire. I know at the time we were trying to avoid covering all the events during the Roman Empire, but this is one we should have done. And I really regret doing that decision. However, there was already a great podcast on that subject, and it's called The History of Rome by Michael Duncan. While we're shouting out podcasts, we thought we'd take this time to mention the great podcasts that are already covering in great detail the events of Season 1. And just note that these podcasters are the ones who inspired us to make our show. For starters, we have to mention the history of the English language. He uses etymology to explain the early history of the Proto-Indo-Europeans. The second is a podcast that had a huge influence for us. Let's Talk About Myths Baby. She has, by far, the best podcast when it comes to mythology. Now, the third podcast we recommend is one of the best history podcasts on the market. And that is the History of Ancient Greece. His work is fantastic, and he goes into so much detail that he basically paints a picture in vibrant colors, explaining the history and everyday life of the ancient Greek people. Another awesome podcast that covers ancient Greece is the Hellenistic Age podcast. 
This podcast covers the events of Alexander's generals and all of the different kingdoms and empires that followed their conquest of the Persian Empire, including Ptolemaic Egypt and Cleopatra. Finally, we get to Rome, the podcast that started it all. By the one and only Mike Duncan. He is the grandfather of this medium, and the one that inspired us and many other podcasters to do the same. After the fall of the Western Roman Empire, several other podcasts took over the narrative. The history of Byzantium follows the Eastern Roman Empire and covers in great detail from Justinian the Great to the war with the Sassanids and the Arab conquests. The history of Italy, another one of our all-time favorites, covers the events of Italy after the fall of the last Roman emperor. His podcast has lots of fun mini-series that also follow the Mafia as well as the rise of fascism in Italy. The History of Islam podcast follows Arabia and Islam, from Muhammad to all of the caliphs. The History of Germany is another great podcast, and this one covers all of the different German dynasties, from the Merovingians and the Carolingians to the Saxons and to the Holy Roman Empire. Here is another one of our absolute favorite podcasts, The History of the Papacy. This podcast is great because not only does it follow the popes, but he also does guest episodes with another great podcaster who covers the history in the Bible. Now I know we talk a little bit about China with the Shonnu and the Abbasids versus the Tang Dynasty, and the best podcast to hear more about these subjects is the History of China podcast. Now, this last one is、uh, more of an honorable mention because you know we do mention Egypt several times, so you should definitely check out the History of Egypt podcast. This is one of those podcasts created by a real Egyptologist. Our first season touches a little bit on all of these subjects, and if you want to know more, and I mean much, 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 much more. Then you should check out all of these podcasts. They have enlightened us with so much information and entertainment, but also has inspired us to make our own podcast. And we have been talking about it over the past year. And we want to encourage any listeners who are interested in starting their own history podcast to go for it. All you need is a microphone, a computer, and a lot of books. If we can do it, then so can you. And now, without further ado, let's get started with season two. Well, that's it for today. Join us next time on the history of modern Greece. Stay safe and stay awesome.